Good morning, everyone. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here at Canopy. It's so good to be with you this morning. Uh, I'm excited to once again be coming to you from the Canopy office, which we affectionately refer to as the Boiler Room here at Family Christian Church in Westside Costa Mesa. And I've got to tell you, as much fun as I've had being in this place for the past couple of weeks, it would be way better if you were here with me. I miss being together, and I cannot wait to be here together, worshiping, praying, studying God's Word, and on mission together soon. Uh, in the meantime, though, I am grateful that we can gather virtually and do all of those things. Uh, we will be opening God's Word together in just a second. We'll be in Exodus chapter 16, verse 10, if you want to turn there now. Um, but before we get there, I want to give just a little bit of context for the conversation that we're having. So over the past few weeks, we've been in this series called Finding Freedom in the Wilderness. And this series is really integral to who we are as a church. You see, Canopy is a family of house churches learning to live free. And that name, Canopy, uh, as well as our mission statement, both come out of the book of Exodus, where we see God's people have been set free from slavery in Egypt and have been guaranteed this wonderful future in a promised land flowing with milk and honey. But between those two places, they find themselves in the wilderness of Sinai. Um, and lots of amazing stuff happens there. God does miraculous things in them and for them and through them in the wilderness, all for the purpose of teaching them how to be the free people of God. You see, these were 20th generation slaves. In other words, they had been in slavery in Egypt for over 400 years, and they had no idea what it meant to live as free people. So if they had gone directly from Egypt into the promised land, they would have just taken that slavery with them and recreated those systems of oppression. And God didn't want any part of that. He instead wanted a redeemed people, a new people, who could partner with him in the restoration of all things. So he took them out of Egypt and into the wilderness. And in the wilderness, he began to work the slavery out of them and work the freedom into them. He began to show them who he was and who they were in relationship to him so that they could live as the free people of God. Little did we know when we crafted that mission statement about six months ago that uh, just a few months later, the entire world would be thrust into this extended wilderness season. And while we don't believe that God has done this, we do believe that what God wants to do in this wilderness season is the same thing he wanted to do in that wilderness season of Sinai. He wants to teach his people how to be free. He wants us to become, in increasing ways, the redeemed people of God, to live into the redemption that Jesus has already won for us so that we can partner with him in new ways in the restoration of all things. And that's why we've been in this conversation together. How do we do that? Um, and much of our conversation around fighting, finding freedom in the wilderness has been um, talking about the difficulty of the wilderness. It's been talking about things like the worship of lament and how we bring our real selves to God, how we hold the broken pieces of our lives in our hands and say, God, this is for you. Do whatever you want to do. And that's all good and true and a necessary conversation to have in times like these. Um, the wilderness is a difficult place. There's uncertainty, there's pain, and there's anxiety. Uh, it's uncomfortable. but it's also beautiful, and we don't want to miss that side of the conversation. We want to do justice to the whole wilderness experience. Um, you know, for me, I've never been to the Sinai wilderness, but I've been pretty close. About 15 years ago, um, I was doing a language school in northern Israel in a city called Haifa, and we had the weekend off from language classes one, one weekend, and so a couple of buddies and I decided to rent a car and go down to the Dead Sea. We had this dream of hiking this uh, mountain called Masada, which is this epic fortress that Herod the Great built um, overlooking the Dead Sea. We wanted to hike it at sunrise. So we rented this car. 
Drove to Nazareth, got some amazing baklava, drove to the Sea of Galilee, went for a swim, <laughs> drove around the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee, and made it to the Dead Sea around 11 o'clock at night. Our plan was to stay in a hostel, um, but by the time we got there, the hostel was closed. So we did the next best thing. We kind of found this little side road, drove off into the middle of the desert, and found a place to camp in this dry creek bed. Um, it was the worst night's sleep of my life. I use the word sleep loosely. Um, it was, uh, it was hot. It was about 100 degrees all night long. Uh, this is the Dead Sea, the lowest place on earth. So it's hot all the time, but especially in July. Um, but I was afraid to come outside of my, my sleeping bag. I was bundled up all night because I had no idea what was out there. You know, I, in my mind, I had these visions of all sorts of creepy crawly things like snakes and scorpions and who knows what else. So I stayed bundled up, just like sweating through the entire night. It was uncomfortable. It was terrifying. It was all of those things. At the same time, it was among the more beautiful experiences of my life as we got to watch the moon rise over the Dead Sea and see, because we were so far out, kind of away from civilization, really see um, the, the amazing stars that God has created, you know, the Milky Way and shooting stars across the sky all night long. It was, it was simultaneously terrifying and unbelievably amazing. Um, and that's what the, as I've said, that's what the wilderness is all about. You're uncomfortable. You're not sure what's around you. You're not sure what's going to happen next. You're afraid most of the time. Uh, at the same time, it's invigorating, it's inspiring, and you see the glory of God. That's what the wilderness is. That's what we see in Exodus 16. Um, the context for this verse, we're just going to read one verse here um, that I read before, actually. The context for the verse is God's people have been taken out of Egypt, and they're about, you know, a little over a month into the, into the wilderness wanderings. Uh, and the food runs out. And when food runs out, people get grumpy. And that's what they do. They start to get angry. They grumble against Moses and Aaron. They grumble against God. And God says, okay, bring all the people together. I want to talk to them. So they bring all the people together. And this is what it says in verse 10. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert. And there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. I think that's stunning. That verse has just been messing with me over the past couple of months. Because here we are, uh, or here they were, a bunch of people out in the wilderness um, on the edge of starvation, thinking back to slavery and saying, yeah, it was tough, but at least we ate. You know, they're starting to idealize the situation and saying we'd rather have that than sort of this unknown future where we might not even make it. Um, and God says, no, 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 no. Don't look back. Don't look back. My glory is appearing this direction. As C.S. Lewis says, further up and further in, way out into the wilderness, the glory of God appears, calling them farther out. And that was the experience I had at the Dead Sea that night. And maybe some of you have had in your own wilderness times, whether um, actual or metaphorical, is the farther out you get, the more you can see, <laughs> the, the clearer things become. As you get away from the lights of the city, the darker the sky gets, the, the more vivid the colors get, the more clean everything is. There is a real beauty the farther out you get. And here we see in Exodus 16 that God kept calling them farther out because he wanted to show them more of his glory. And that's what happens in their wilderness. I mean, in this very chapter, they eat bread from the heavens. I mean, that's talk about mind-blowing in and of itself. In the next chapter, they drink water from a rock. Two chapters later, they end up at, at Mount Sinai where God appears to them in thunder and fire and, and, and wind and shakes the mountains around them. Uh, you know, throughout the rest of this book, we see that God leads them as a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. Can you just imagine that in and of itself? That's, that was your guide through the wilderness is this pillar. They heard the voice of God in, in Exodus 20. The finger of God literally wrote the law on rocks for them. Um, we see God leading them into battle. We see God forgiving them in profound ways. 
Uh, we see the glory of God in so many ways. The deeper they get into the wilderness, the more they see of the glory of God. And I think that's true of this season as well. Please don't get me wrong. I don't want to live here forever. I don't love a lot about this, but I think God wants to show us his glory in new and profound ways, in ways that we would not see it otherwise, and we don't want to miss it. So the question then is, how do we have eyes to see it? How do we go after the glory of God together in this time? And I want to suggest that there are three postures uh, or three parts to one posture that we need to take in this season to really go after the glory of God together. The first one is this. We need to learn to embrace the wild of the wilderness. You know, we have an unprecedented capacity in this day and age to miss this wilderness entirely. If you think back to the people of of Israel wandering around uh, Sinai, there was not much else out there. Uh, And yet they still found ways to worship idols. They still found ways to fall short. You know, when I think of my experience at the edge of the Dead Sea, uh, the truth is um, we were pretty far out there. And that's why the sky was so dark. And that's why we were able to see what we were able to see. You know, the light pollution of the city was gone. There was nothing else around. And so we saw the glory of God in the heavens. Um, But now in this day and age, we have the capacity to carry the light pollution with us. You know, I've got this picture in my mind for some reason of, of us all together in this season, walking through the wilderness on our cell phones, heads down, missing it. The cloud is out there like God is thundering in the heavens and we're entirely missing it because we're just looking at all the distractions around us. I'm not just trying to rail against smartphones. You know, I've got one sitting on the desk here as well, but I am saying we have an unprecedented capacity to distract ourselves in this season. Uh, And yeah, lots of our coping mechanisms have gone away, but lots more haven't. And as a matter of fact, we're creating new ones. And I want to suggest that coping is not what we want to be doing in this season. We don't want to just make it through. We don't want to put our heads down and just sort of distract ourselves until life goes back to normal. We want to see the glory of God. And that means eyes up. It means we have to embrace the wild. It means we have to put aside the distractions from time to time. And I don't know what that looks like in your life. I'm beginning to be more and more convicted of what that looks like in my life. But that means every day we lean into the uncomfortability. We lean into the unknown. I think that's where we see the glory of God. Second thing is, um, it's not just embracing the wild of the season for the sake of it. It's embracing it for the sake of seeing the glory of God. You know, um, I know that there are, is a sense in the season of as, as much as there's a sense of awful and, and chaos and, and craziness around us, there's also this sense of like um, of new stuff, of, of innovation, of opportunities to be creative, you know, in the church and, and well beyond. And, and I, I don't want to dismiss any of that because that's certainly true. Whenever there's upheaval, whenever there's change, there's an opportunity to innovate and there's an opportunity to think about things in a fresh way. Um, and so there is a, a general sense of excitement in the wilderness just as the wilderness. But I want to tell you, that's not why I'm excited about the wilderness. I'm not excited just for the opportunity to innovate or to create. I'm excited because I want to see God. I want to see him move in my life. I want to see him move in my family. I want to see him move in my church, in our church. I want to see him move in our world. I want to see, and this isn't the word I use lightly, but I want to see revival in this time. I am hungry and desperate to see the glory of God in this season. And that means that we have to go after him with a single-minded affection. You know, in Psalm 27, David has this great line. He says, um, one thing I ask, and this I would seek, 
to dwell in the house of the Lord and gaze upon his beauty all the days of my life. You know, it's as if David is being asked this, this classic question, if you had one wish, what would you wish for? And he says, my one thing, the one thing I want, the one thing I want to go after is the face of God. That's what I want to see. That's the thing that's most important to me. I want to see God. And I don't know about you, but so often I am not a one thing kind of a guy. I'm a lots of things. And um, if you go after lots of things, you end up with nothing. <laughs> um, but if you go after this one thing, God promises. God promises we'll get him. He says that he will reward those who earnestly seek him. He says if we look for him with all of our hearts, we will find him. And so it's not just about embracing the wilderness. It's about going after the presence of God together. If we seek him, we will find him. So how do we see the glory of God in this wilderness? Embrace the wild, but not just for the sake of the wild, for the sake of seeing the face of God. I mean, I've got this Jacob wrestling with God picture. I'm not going to let go of you until you bless me. What if that was our posture? God, we are not going to let go until we see you move in our lives and move in our world in powerful ways in ways that are undeniably. So those are the first two. The last piece of this posture is we don't only go after the glory of God to experience it, but to reflect it. You know, I think about um, this, this picture of, of soaking in the glory of God that we so often talk about. And I think it's one thing to soak in the glory of God. It's another thing to allow it to flow through you. And if you think of those pictures, you know, you're soaking in something, you experience uh, whatever's immediately around you. But if you allow something to flow through you, then you experience all of it. And the same is true of our experience of the glory of God. You most fully experience it as you share it, as it flows through you to others. You know, one of my favorite Psalms of all time, the Psalm chapter 40, and toward the end of it, it says this, let those who love the salvation of the Lord continually say, God be magnified. You hear that? This is somebody who's received God's salvation and loves the fact that they have been saved by God and then turn around and reflect that to everyone around them and say, look, this is what he's done in me. Now I want to magnify him for you. And if we return back to that picture of a starry sky um, and us gazing on it and experiencing it, then uh, there's another piece here in this word magnify uh, because we get to become a telescope for other people, for people who are distracted, who are in the middle of cities and light pollution and all of the, the, the metaphorical stuff of life, the distractions of life, we have the opportunity to become a telescope and say, let me magnify God. Let me show you his glory in this season. And as we do that, not only do we experience him more fully, but we have the capacity to change the environments around us as we share the glory of God together. And that's what we want to see. And there is profound beauty in this wilderness if we would have eyes to see it. So, we're going to go after that together. Normally, we respond to God's word together by singing a song, but today we're going to do something a little different. We want to spend some time praying and reflecting and discussing what this means for us. Um, so, here's what this is going to look like. Um, in just a second, I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to get off the screen. And on the screen, we're going to put this verse, Exodus 16, verse 10. I want you to spend a little bit of time just praying into the glory of God, praying that God would make you aware of the ways he has been showing you his glory over this past couple of months and the ways that he wants to do that in the future. Maybe you pray into these three points together, you know. Um, how do I embrace the wild of the season? How do I have a single-minded devotion to the presence of God? How do I reflect his glory to those around me? Spend a bit of time praying, you know, inviting God's presence into those conversations. And then if you're with other people, we'd love for you to take about five minutes 
and discuss that with the people around you. What is God saying to you in this moment? How is he showing himself to you in this time? Um, If you're not with other people right now when you're watching this, then maybe just take out a journal and write down the stuff that God is bringing to your mind. And then in about five minutes, um, our host will come back and wrap up the service. So I want to pray for us and then release you into that time. God, we are so grateful that you are in this wilderness and that you want to show us your face. You want to show us your glory in ways that we would not see you otherwise. And we don't want to miss you. So would you in this moment even, in this moment, help us become more aware of your presence and your spirit and your love. God, be with us. Show us how you have been with us. Show us how you want to be with us. Draw us closer to you and use us to reflect your glory to those around us. Father, we love you and we thank you. Amen. Take a few minutes to reflect and to discuss. It's good to be with you.